Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back, everybody. I hope everybody's staying safe out there, and I hope everyone's been turkey hunting or at least turkey scouting if you're not open yet. Uh, today, it's just me and Jacob on the podcast. Jacob, how are you doing? Uh, doing well. How are you doing, turkey killer? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing real good, actually. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you haven't been able to get out yet, which is unfortunate. Yeah, no, not at all. I, I have been a, uh, I've been what they call an essential worker. Um, <laughs> so this all the non-essential workers out there aren't hogging up the the highway space and it's been lovely going to work but no uh for <laughs> real though I've, I've been extremely tired with work um and will be for the next coming weeks unfortunately because the industry i'm in but um other than that dude, dude are, uh, you, are you gonna get to hunt this this year for real uh hopefully yeah, this weekend i think depending on what goes down this coming weekend but just depends. The coronavirus is throwing a kink in to everything. Um, yeah. We've already had three patients come through, or three 
positive people come through our, our facility. So, Whew. oh, dude. oh yeah, that's 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 sketchy. That's yep. sketchy. Are you self quarantining? No, no, not at all. I'm a, I'm a partier. Uh, <laughs> well, no, you're, you're essential. You gotta go to work, man. Yeah, man. Come on now. Um, but no, no, I have not been quarantined. Haven't had anything like that. But uh, definitely is uh, fairly, you know, important for people to pay attention to that. Who was the uh, country singer? Just on the side, Joe Diffie, kind of, man. Uh, Joe freaking Diffie. God, that's upsetting. We need to play some music. We need, we need to play Prop against Prop me up. Yep, I know. Oh, dude. Yeah, it's been a bad. It's been a bad two weeks for country music because uh, Kenny Rogers died. Joe Diffie just died today, or just got announced today. And uh, some people won't know this, but um, a guy named John Prine, who's another t- country singer, uh, he's got it, and he's old, so it ain't it ain't looking good. So, dude, this virus really sucks, man. Um, it's got y'all tied up at work. It's got favorite country people dying. Got the country shut down. So, hopefully, this all blows over before you know too terribly long. It looks like it's going to be here for a while. So, I advise everybody stay safe. Listen to the CDC for sure. Um, Dude, I hope you get freed up to go turkey hunting, man. I know you're missing out. I mean, this is like the best turkey season I've ever been a part of, period. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It always seems like that. <laughs> I know, dude. Like the year you get tied up. Do, do you want to tell people what you do for a living? Or do you want to yeah, keep it so, confidential? Uh, uh, I mean, I, let's keep it confidential just at the moment. Uh, just, yeah. Because <laughs> the, 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 reason, the reason why is we have a lot of, we got a lot of uh, listeners in this listener group, and I don't want to, like, I don't know, be weird if one of our families had to come through with everything. Oh, um, I got you. I got you. I got you. That makes yeah. sense. <clears throat> but, uh, anyways, um, yeah, this is just a very busy time for us, which is just, you know, it's kind of strange because most other people are, are not at work right now unless you're in the medical field. Um, but, you know, I'll say this, you know, talking about this being like such a good year, man, it seems like a lot of people that we know have been on fire right now in the state of Alabama. But one thing that's going to be kind of interesting, which I'd like for, you know, the listeners to write in and let us know, especially, you know, guys from other parts of the country in different states is, you know, they're talking about possibly doing a, a full um, state quarantine shutdown. Uh, yeah. possibly the next seven weeks like georgia just did that uh i think louisiana just did that as well along with a bunch of other states uh where they don't even want you on the road and i actually i've got a letter uh, from the government saying that i can actually you know go back and forth through work and drive around and not have to get freaking a ticket or anything mm-hmm. um but i'm wondering how that's going to affect if they actually do that for alabama and some of these other states how that affects someone go turkey hunting especially if you have to you know, drive a, a decent distance to that place. You know, if you live on the backside of National Forest, um, you know, like, you know, um, uh, oh, crap, uh, Chris Jennings, or Jenkins, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, you know, where he can just get out on the backside of the house and go hunt, it doesn't really affect him. But for other guys like you and me that actually has to drive somewhere, if they lock stuff down where we can't go anywhere, um, I don't know how the heck you're going turkey hunting or anyone's going turkey hunting. Yeah, dude, so, that would suck. Yeah, if you live in a state, has have any states done that yet? Like a full freaking Georgia? Lockdown? Yeah, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, Georgia supposedly has done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I was told at work that Louisiana was doing it or was on the verge of doing that. Oh wow, uh, a full quarantine lockdown. Well, sounds like that might screw up my Georgia turkey hunting plans. Well, it depends on how late you're going to wait to go. But yeah, yeah. So wow. If any, any listeners out there that's a, you know that's affecting them right now, freely please let us know because I'd be very interested to figure out you know how it's affecting you if it is at all. Um, 
but yeah, that's this is interesting times we're living in right now. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, I'm glad that we got to do bows and brews before. Like this, we did bows and brews literally like what? Uh, probably about ten or twelve days before all this started. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, for sure. I yeah, mean, we were we squeaked it in for sure. <laughs> yeah, get, did on the seventh of March, and by like the. Probably about the fifteenth uh, or so, maybe. Yeah, is when it started 14th. really taking off. Yeah, and then by the end of the month, you know, look where we're at now in the rest of the country. So, but you know, yeah, that was a, that was a good time. Uh, it was kind of funny speaking about bows and brews. You made the post today, which today's Sunday, um, <laughs> about bows and brews, and man, you tagged Oak Mountain State Park, which is where we did it at, and it was hilarious because there were people. That common that clearly we're following the park and not, we're not following us. I don't believe. No. Um, and we're like, oh, one girl, one woman thought you talking about going scouting, and she thought we you meant the Boy Scouts, <laughs> which was hilarious. I was, I was like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to sound like smart alecky to this lady because <laughs> she commented. I was like, oh, honey, you're way off base. She's like, oh, I love, I love the Scouts, and I was like, at first I thought I read it wrong. I was like, oh, she loves the Scout. I'm like, that's weird. I mean, not weird, but like she's like, oh yeah, I used to do scouts. Yeah, and I'm still thinking deer scouting. I'm like, oh god, no, she thinks like Boy Scout, Girl Scout thing. And then, she, um, and then she was like, but you, uh, but you, uh, holding this event might give those boys like the wrong impression or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, you didn't read that very carefully, did you? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, but anyway, it's very entertaining. So yeah, had that go through, but. Anyway, dude, you, unlike me, you know, I have not been deer hunting, or not deer hunting, turkey hunting, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been doing any kind of hunting or really fishing lately at all. So you've been out and have had a pretty good opening freaking week, dude. So you're you're two for two, I guess, when it comes to opportunities to kill birds. Um, and your second bird was kind of interesting, especially kind of going in blind in a spot like that. But what has been your perspective so far this turkey season, especially versus, you know, years in the past? Um, and, and, you know, you kind of hunting places you've hunted in the past versus, mm-hmm. you know, some newer areas. It's been uh, it's been really good. Opening day, I was a little bit worried because we went to a place that had so much turkey sign in it that I was like, we're killing one tomorrow. There's no doubt. And then we went in there and we did not even hear a single gobble the whole time. I mean, not a single gobble. So that kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, but then I got on Facebook and like everybody killed a turkey, it seemed like. I mean, you know how opening day is, like you get flooded with like pictures. But I mean, like a lot of people I knew actually like personally know killed turkeys, which doesn't usually happen, um, at least in that like quantity. So I was like, okay, maybe maybe like today was good and we just were in a bad spot. But looking back, what I think happened, we scouted that spot the day before and I think we might have like boogered all the turkeys up in there. I think they'll might have blown out or something i don't know but anyways um like my buddy clay has already killed two back home and then he brought a friend into his spot and he killed another one in there so they've killed three turkeys off of you know where already dude clay listen i need the invite man (laughs) dude i know i know i know dude yeah clay was trying to get me to come up there i was like ah man i I want to but i don't like really want to travel to like up there right now (laughs) but um so yeah, Clay's done good. Um, freaking Devin Duncan, who we had on two weeks ago, holy dude, he came down here and dented the population, didn't he? Yeah, oh dude. I mean, especially for a guy solo 
never being down here before, just studying maps and using his woodsmanship. Yeah, killed four birds and I think it was five and a half days he was down here. Yeah. Um, or maybe six days. It was it was crazy, dude. It yeah. was absolutely crazy. Yeah. So and those are national forest birds too. I mean, yes, dude. It doesn't get any tougher than that, especially like Alabama closes half of its WMAs for an extra week uh, for some reason. And so that just puts that much more pressure on all the national forests in the state. And dude, he came in here and freaking slayed. I mean, I was like, he's going to tag out. And he almost did. If he had stuck around for another day, I bet he would have tagged out. I think so too. I really do. Um, and I was really rooting for him. I hope he was, I really wish he was <laughs> going to, uh, have the opportunity to do that. But you know, I mean, four birds, dude, that's, so freaking awesome <laughs> dude that's like that's like the pinnacle of turkey hunting for me if you can kill four public land bama birds in five days you're you're pretty dang good at hunting i mean that's all there is to it that's crazy that's well, that and definitely you know what it takes to find birds and get on birds and especially you know this early in the season you're you're finding turkeys and you're hunting turkeys that definitely have hens mm-hmm. um and he explained that to us you know in our text messages going back and forth that you know, yeah, he was killing these birds, but he had to really work for them just because there were so many hens around. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's a good point to make because, like, we made a post about it, and we're like, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Alabama's on fire and all that. And everyone's like, oh, Alabama's going crazy. There's turkeys dying everywhere, which is true. But Devin was careful to point out. He's like, hey, I mean, it wasn't like they were burning it up to the gun barrel. Like, he was having to really get after them, like, killing hen-up birds. He's talking about – uh like chasing them around in the bottoms and everything and having to move on them a bunch. So uh, definitely wasn't like a walk in the park. I mean, it's still early season hunting, even though it seems like we're dealing with a lot of two-year-olds this year. Like must have had a really good hatch a couple years back. So there's just more birds out there to, to be hunted, really. But, you know, we're still dealing with those same problems that we deal with every opening day. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And um, that's kind of funny because, you know, last year while we were up there, a lot of the guys that we know that hunt that area we're talking about, you know, they were seeing like record number of jakes last year. Um, and it's just amazing, you know, how, how, you know, having, you know, a couple good hatches back to back or just one really good hatch can absolutely change the season two years down the road. Um, and that has absolutely been the case, especially with that part of the state of Alabama um, is absolutely seen a, a huge blow up in birds. But, you know, I've also heard the same thing about South Alabama. So, I mean, it's not just, you know, one region of the state versus another. Um, but, you know, and it's kind of interesting because I've heard s- similar things with other states. Uh, and then you got, of course, states like Arkansas that still are seeing, you know, supposedly a decline, a pretty significant decline. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of interesting how, you know, from one state to another state, you know, just for different reasons, things can change so significantly. Yeah. And, I mean – especially getting on social media right now and listening to different podcasts and everything, you can get the impression that like everybody's out that there's like turkeys just going nuts around every corner. But I mean, I probably have an equal number of friends out there who are struggling bad, uh, as the amount of friends who have killed, you know? So, I mean, I just got a text from my cousin today and he said that he's been out twice and hadn't even heard one yet. So, I mean, there it's not like it's easy again like social media can really screw you up and and like make you feel bad but it's definitely still turkey hunting there's no doubt about that yeah so i think you know social media there's so many good things with social media but there's also so many bad things and i feel like definitely social media gives you a a uh, lopsided 
uh, visual on, you know, expectation versus reality when it comes to a lot of this stuff. You know, you, you see mm-hmm. guys, you know, just absolutely killing the crap out of birds, posting birds on these different pages and everything. And you're like, well, crap, man, I must be the only one out here not killing turkeys. And in reality, when you look at the statistics, especially on public land, we talked about this with Dave Owens as well. You know, it's not the case. I mean, you know, the how many hunting days it takes statistically to kill a public land turkey through a lot of Alabama and, of course, a lot of other states as well, you know, it's, you know, fairly high. So if you look at the numbers of guys hunting out there versus the number of guys actually killing, it's still very small. Um, so and hopefully – in the next few years, you know, we'll see some better numbers like that come out of this state along with other states as well as they track it a little bit better versus, you know, how many guys are hunting versus how many guys are actually killing turkeys. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Alabama game check, I mean, it was like double the number of last year of uh, people that have killed. But, you know, you, you also got to think about the number of people who were in the woods. So I think game check recorded like 2,000 some odd turkeys killed on opening day, which is not the real number. You know, like a lot of people out there don't comply with that for some reason. Uh, so, I mean, who knows what that real number is, but you think about the number of people who are probably in the woods that day versus the like realistic number of people that probably killed turkeys. I mean, it's still, you know, it's still like a pretty low success rate, uh, I would say, but, um, I mean, a good example is kind of how me and Mark have been hunting. I mean, we've experienced kind of both spectrums in the last couple of days of hunting where we've had days where it's like, can't do anything wrong you're all over turkeys and then there's days where you don't even see or hear a turkey and you stay out all day you know yeah i said that's one thing about turkey hunting that can uh for some guys absolutely wear on them is you know if you're in a spot where you think there's turkeys or whatever but you're going in day in day out and you're not hearing many birds or maybe you're not hearing anything and not laying eyes on a bunch of birds especially when you're hunting places like in the deep south where it's you know 99 percent all timberland um where you know it's just you know mature forest you know it has the cutovers and stuff but you're not hunting a bunch of fields um it can it can absolutely wear on somebody when they're going out there and they're not seeing any they're not seeing birds they might not be hearing a whole bunch of birds and it's just kind of frustrating for them um so you know definitely you know especially with the season in alabama versus all of these other states uh some of them are you know back up their season uh, like a week or so i know north florida did that for their zone alabama did that as well um you know hopefully we see some success especially later into the season i'm very excited to see those last four or five days of the season that are in may this year for alabama and how that's going to change um you know you know birds getting killed at that time for him i'm really excited about that yeah i am too i was wondering how the late opener was going to affect it um because there's this one wma that me and mark were really looking forward to hunting uh because it was a week later so uh it opened on the 28th and you know the season already is opening a week later than normal and not only that but it got pushed back two weeks for that wma so it's two weeks later than normal for an opening day summer is like or spring or whatever is like uh nationally it's like three or four weeks ahead of time as far as like leaf out and everything so spring is ahead of schedule and then the season got pushed back so we're like dude when this opens these turkeys ought to be right like none of them have been killed yet all the loud mouth two-year-olds aren't dead yet they haven't been boogered up a whole bunch uh and you know maybe they're breaking up with their hens already because we keep seeing lone hens like every hunt so we went out there and uh, the turkeys were turkeys. They were they they were hinned up, and I mean that's pretty much all there was to it. I mean it was your typical opening day turkey hunt. There's a bunch of people out there. 
And the turkeys weren't really talkative too much, but I mean, we heard some hens and we heard some jakes caulking and everything, but that was about it for, for that day. But, um, but then there's other days like, uh, like the first turkey I killed this year, which we'll get into, I guess, next. Uh, that's the kind of day that you go for, man. It's just like the, all, all of like the, the crappy mornings where you wake up and you go out and you don't hear anything and you like walk and walk and walk and don't find any turkeys. And you do that five times in a row or 10 times in a row or 15 times in a row. Then you get a hunt like I had on the 23rd and you're like, oh, this is why I do this. You know, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was like my dream hunt. It was the best turkey hunt I've ever had. Well, and let me ask, I know you talked about that a little bit on that, uh, the short report and everything. Um, but is there, again, is there anything that's kind of special about that hunt that people could kind of take something out of it and maybe use it to their advantage? Um, I would definitely say, okay, so I'll just, I'll run through it. Um, I got out there. It's a really heavy hit piece of public land, like really heavy hit piece. Uh, it had the normal opening day. It had been getting pressure on opening weekend and even on the weekdays. You know, this particular road I was hunting off of had four trucks on it, you know, the day after I killed my bird. So, I mean, it gets a lot of pressure, and that was on, like, a Wednesday. So, I got out there, and this the first time this bird gobbled, it was, like, 5.58 or something. It was real, it was dark, and it gobbled. So, I was like, oh, man. So, he starts gobbling, and I'm able to move on him. So, this is one thing that I learned from, like, talking with Dave Owens and Mike Pentecost and all those guys is like moving on these turkeys. So I, I, he started gobbling in the dark and he was gobbling all by himself, like no crows, no owls, no nothing. And, you know, up to this point I hadn't even heard a turkey yet. And it was like the third day of the season. So I'm like, finally I hear a gobbler and, uh, I get on the map and I just at first stay put. I'm like 400 yards from him and I'm trying to like figure out where he's actually at. So I figure out where I think he is on the map and then I do like this big swing around him. So I'm in a swamp and he's, there's like a little ridge in the swamp and he's up on that ridge. So I swing, oh, I dropped my turkey vest. Um, I swing around and I get up on the ridge with him and I start getting closer and closer and closer. And he's just like gobbling all by himself. I mean, I'm really lucky that he was so talkative that morning. So I'm, I'm getting a really good fix on where I think he's at. And, uh, I keep moving closer and closer and eventually I get to a point where I'm about a mm, hundred yards away from him and I start getting set up and I like literally like start getting up against this tree and like get my seat cushion, everything ready to go. And then he gobbles again and I'm like, I think I can get closer. So I pack my stuff up and I keep easing closer and closer and closer. And then I get like right on top of him. I mean, I think that I was between like, I could have been as close as like 40 to 60 yards. I mean, these woods were like kind of thick. There's a lot of privet and stuff in there. And I get like right on top of him. And I, I do like a fly down with my hat, not a cackle or anything, just to fly down with my hat like the wing beats. And I do that and he gobbles at it. And then he pitches down. I get set up and I like turn over my shoulder and just yelp like four times, like kind of quietly, not even like particularly uh, yelping at him, just like a hen yelping out in the woods and he hammers it. And so I just shut up and dude, it took him, it felt like 30 minutes, but it was probably, probably half that. I mean, it took him a long time to work in Uh, and he starts working in closer and closer. And he's like, he's gobbling a bunch now. I mean, like once or twice a minute, 
if like if not more. And he keeps getting closer and closer, and there's this privet hedge in between us, and I can hear him spitting and drumming behind it at like 35 yards. And he's just like walking back and forth, gobbling and spitting and drumming behind this privet hedge. And I like I wanted so bad to call to him again, like so bad, because I couldn't see him, and I knew he was right there. And I'm thinking in my head like, well, maybe if I turn my head and I pitch the call up the hill, like he'll swing around and try and go up there, which that's where I had I'd called to before anyways. But I was like, uh, I mean, he's right here, and I don't know what he can see, so I'm not going to call. So I think that's actually what sealed the deal in that hunt for me, is that I just didn't call again. Like, he was obviously like extremely interested in, you know, in me after I'd yelped at him. Uh, he, you know, he hammered my first call. He hammered when I did the fly down. So it was like very obvious that, that he wanted to come to me. Uh, so I didn't need to give him anything else. And looking back, the way it was is these woods are like pines with a lot of privet underneath them. And there's little oak pockets in it. And those oak pockets are more open, even though they're still privet in those oak pockets, they are more open and he was on the edge of this thing, and I, when I went over to where he was standing, I like got down on the turkey's level, and I looked, and he could see like patches through there. He could see like little lanes, but he couldn't see all of it. So what he was doing was just strutting back and forth, like looking around in there, you know, like little pieces at a time. And I'm like, if I yelp, then he'll get a really good fix on where I'm at since he's like right there. So I don't want to yelp again because then I'm sure that he'll hang up and, you know, not come find me because I'm afraid like – in my mind, I'm like, if I yelp at him again, then I'm like acknowledging him, like telling me to come to him. Cause like, I guess when they're gobbling, they're telling the hens to come to him. So I'm like, I mean, dude, you know, it's like your girlfriend gives you the silent treatment. You know, you want to go figure out what the deal is. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not going to talk to him. So finally, after a long time, he starts swinging up and around me, like exactly what I wanted him to do, but I didn't have to call again to get him to do it. And, uh, yeah, he swings around and I freaking... I I got him like at 40 yards or so through the brush. It's kind of a longest shot I've taken on a turkey, but I wasn't going to risk it. That's for sure. Uh, and he was a pretty good bird too. I don't know how much he weighed, but he had uh, like seven, eight inch spurs and like a nine and three quarter inch beard. So that was an awesome hunt. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, people listening to that can probably, relate on the aspect of on not calling you know I, i've done the opposite before you know you know you got a bird coming in and he hangs up and you think you can call him closer not being no you know expert caller or anything and they just hang up even more so at least in my personal experience they just hang up even more so they just sit there and then after a while lose interest and, and you know walk off or whatever or you mm-hmm. bust them trying to make a move um so you know having the confidence and the patience the stay shut up is, is huge because first of all, I'd be struggling to do that. I might have a heart attack. I don't know that turkey be walking around over there. I'd be freaking out. Yeah. Look for him. Yeah. Um, but I, one thing I was going to ask you about that setup, you're talking about there's privet in there. You know, when, when I think of privet and probably some other guys that listen that, you know, live in the deep South, um, you know, I think of privet two different ways. I think of privet like being short privet, like, you know, kind of small bushy privet where, you know, it might be, you know, thigh high, whatever, or, or knee high. Mm-hmm. And then I think of like big privet where it's like, you know, almost the size of a baseball bat, you know, when it really grows up and it's like more of a, a canopy and more open underneath. What was it like in there where was, you were at? It was like the first one. The privet was like smaller and it was, it would be like little bushes of it here and there. But when you, when you stood up, you know, standing like over five and a half feet tall as a human being, you could see through it pretty well. But when you got down on ground level, 
you can only see like 30, 40 yards tops through all this stuff, which probably really helped me out big time. Hmm. That's another thing. Again, as uh, I guess Scott Ellis says, you know, hide the hen and everything, and very much so in a situation like that, you're definitely hiding the hen. Um, oh, yeah. So that, that's that's awesome. So you, you kill that bird, and again, I think that's a really cool learning experience. Again, you know, how, first off, you don't always have to be the greatest caller to kill a bird because you just did some pretty soft yelps. I mean, you didn't do anything, anything crazy. No. Just that and didn't just fly down with your hat. No, dude. I mean, like, the and the yelps weren't even that good because I was, like, turned in, like, a weird direction. And, I mean, like, earlier you were calling on that pot call over the phone. Like, mm-hmm. your yelp sounded better than the yelps I threw at that turkey. Uh, oh, man. Everybody remember that. Everybody remember that. <laughs> that right there. Andrew said, I call better than him. Everybody <laughs> take a note, boys and girls. Uh, I think that the biggest lesson for this, so here's the thing. When I was like, and I still am learning, like I'm not a very good turkey hunter, I still don't think. Like, I mean, I, I guess I can hold my own, but I'm not like an expert by any means. But when I was like trying to learn how to turkey hunt, which I'm self-taught, and I was always looking up stuff on the internet and like trying to read stuff and whatever I could to learn about it. I always read about, I only read about like, uh, not goblin turkeys. Like, what do I do when they're not goblin? What do I do when I can't find them? Which is good. Like I needed to learn about that, but I never prepared for like a good situation, like what I had that day. And then over the years I've had like, I've had five or six mornings over the years where I had, like, more than five turkeys gobbling in the dark, like, they wanted to die, where I had no idea what to do, and I, like, messed it up somehow. Like, that, that's happened to me. This is the, that hunt on Tuesday is the first time I've ever had a turkey, like, gobble down the gun barrel like that. Like, because in the past, I've run into that situation. It might only happen one time a season with me hunting, like, a lot in the season, but when I did run into it, I wasn't able to capitalize on it because I, I like, I just never, like, read about it or anything i never researched what i needed to do in that situation so after a lot of trial and error that's how you know this last hunt finally i was able to like get that dream turkey hunt that all of us always search for is you know i i was able to read kind of like the body the body language of the turkey like figuratively speaking i couldn't see his body but like i could read with how fired up he was i'm like okay i don't think i need to call anymore and it was definitely the right choice so that was uh that's probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, um, you know, I think that's the hunt that a lot of guys kind of dream about where, you know, a bird is, you know, gobbling on his own. You know, he's responded to a couple calls, and then you can just be quiet and let him kind of commit to it, uh, especially if there's not a bunch of hens around, which clearly in that situation didn't seem like there was any hens around um, because he was pretty focused on you at that time. Oh, yeah. But I, I think for new guys, myself included, who's, you know – I, again, was just told that I'm a better caller than Andrew on this yelp. <laughs> um, you know, trying to get close to a bird like that very quietly, you know, you know, while it's still dark, uh, easing in there and get close and just, again, making a couple of small yelps, do a fly down with your hat and just shut up. Um, I think a lot of new guys can kill a lot of turkeys doing that um, in the right situation. You, so You know what? You know what? Hunt just came to my mind where I think where like exactly what I'm talking about. That hunt where me and you were, you know where, and uh, we got right up on those roosted turkeys, and we both oh, did we fly can, downs we, with our hats. Oh, we don't have to. We don't have to say this story. <laughs> <laughs> we both did fly downs with our hats, and they hammered it. And then, like, I think I yelped, and all three of them hammered it. There was three of them roosted together, and then they pitched down, and we kept calling to them, 
and then they went out there at like 60 yards and hung up. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Where like we had a perfect situation and then screwed it up, you know, aside from you missing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Man, I peppered that turkey so good. Oh, God. <laughs> he ran away with a sore butt. Yeah, he, he ran away with some number sixes in him, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, not not here saying winning turkeys is a good thing, but definitely I wounded that turkey. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a bad yeah. situation. That was one of those learning experiences that we always oh, talk yeah, that, about. That, that was my first like legit experience with turkeys hammering and actually getting a shot opportunity, like 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, that's a really good point because, yeah, we did the fly downs with our hats, dude. And that is such a good tip. You know, a lot of guys like, man, you got to have a turkey wing or something. If you have a unstructured hat, like those uh, turkey foot Southern Outdoorsman hats, which is on the <laughs> website right now. <laughs> uh, anyways, if you have an unstructured hat like that, you can do such a great fly down with that hat. Uh, and what we mean by fly down for any newer turkey hunting out there is making it sound like wing beat, uh, wing beats uh, when the turkey comes out the tree. Um, and when you have two guys there, oh my god, dude, it sounds so good. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it is it's such a great little tip where you don't have to make a bunch of noise. I mean, you're not actually calling, but it's adding realism to your setup. And especially if you got the cover around you and that turkey has to come and find you and you're close enough to him. Dude, I mean, that just – to me, every time we've ever done that, it's always had, like, a fairly good outcome. Like, I've never – I don't think we've ever, like, scared birds from doing that. No, not at all. And that morning that uh, we called those three up that you missed, like – I I fully believe that that morning, had we just done that fly down, and then after they gobbled at that first Yelp thing that we threw out, that Yelp sequence we threw out, if we had just shut up, I bet that, I don't even remember if I had a gun, but I bet we could have doubled if I had a gun. I mean, because they they came, they swung right around us in gun range, and then ended up getting, you didn't get a shot at them at first, and then they got out there too far, and then they just wouldn't come back because they got to a point where... They could see where we had been calling from because we we kept calling because they were hammering so good. We wanted to hear them like continue gobbling, where like they weren't gobbling because they were coming, you know. And so we were like, yep, 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 yep. We're like, why won't they gobble? And we just kept throwing it out there and throwing it out there, and it ended up costing us the turkeys, really. Yeah, that was one of those days. I think we counted like over like three hundred gobbles or something that day. Dude, it was. I'm talking eight different birds hammering all around us. Oh. Yeah, it was crazy. Again, it's like one of those days where you think you get in the bank and, you know, just kind of inexperienced and just like the excitement got to us. And like you said, yeah, we, we called more than what we should have. But yeah, in a situation like that where they're kind of roosted down in a bowl and you get on the edge of that bowl, dude, and literally, yeah, just do the do the fly down wing beats, maybe a couple of tree yelps and then fly down wing beats and just shut up, dude. Oh my God, dude, I think we could have freaking killed some turkeys. <laughs> now I want to go, I want to go back to that spot now and try again. <laughs> like, shut, dude. And the thing is about that spot, and I wonder if this is like similar all over the place. Again, I'm like I'm the, the newer turkey hunter, but I'm wondering how often turkeys like year after year roost in the same like little areas, especially in mm-hmm. places like that where you're talking like pines and and those rolling hill, uh, you know, timber company land. Um, I'm sure, dude, there's still birds in that in that drainage right there. Um, oh yeah, I mean that's why we set up there is because we had had history with birds roosting there in the past. Um, me and Mark talk about this a lot, uh, cause there's some GPS studies on turkeys and while it seems that like an individual bird isn't going to roost in the same spot every night, like maybe Turkey A will be there one night and he moves off and then Turkey B is there another night. Cause it, it's kind of like, I think of it like deer, like these good roost locations 
are kind of like good bedding locations for deer. And even though it might not be the same turkeys using it, as soon as the turkey leaves, another one might get into it. Uh, which helps like if you have a lot of turkeys in your area, cause then when they, when one group leaves and like drifts off to another bottom, then maybe another one moves into where they were. And so you end up having birds there roosted like all the time. But yeah, we'd had a bunch of history with that spot and birds being roosted there. And if I remember right, we walked in, we walked way in there cause all the gates were closed around that time. And we got to that ridge and we walked like a quarter mile with no lights on. And we were just like feeling through the woods because it was a dark night. And we got right on those jokers. We didn't roost them. We just thought that they'd be there based on past history. That's another really good point about like when and when not to use lights for turkeys, like headlamps. Oh, um, dude, it makes such a difference, I think. Well, that, well, okay, so that goes like into back towards that hunt, that first hunt you were talking about where you killed the bird that was pretty much, you know, wanting to come down the gun barrel goblin. Mm-hmm. Um when you were closing the distance, did you cut your lights off even going through your and everything? Or what was that like? So he gobbled in the pitch black dark. Like I walked in with my light and I set up on this, in this bottom, like in this swampy bottom. And, uh, I had my light on low setting and I was holding it close to the ground just so I could make sure I wasn't going to step on a snake or something. Uh, and I got to my spot, turned it off. He started gobbling in the dark and I let him gobble probably five or six times before I even got up to move. And by that point, it was like gray light where I, like, I could kind of see, but I couldn't see really well. But I, I went without a flashlight because I'm like, I don't know which tree he's in. I don't know what all he can see. So I'm just going to like make a big loop around him and take my time. And it took me 45 minutes to move in on that turkey. Here's a, here, Okay, that's a, that was, I'm glad you brought that up. Another thing about that is when I was moving in on him, I like made a really conscious effort to not get in a hurry. Um, which I, I'm, I've done a really bad job of. And I like a lot of my hunting, like, especially in my adult life has been self-taught and, or like I learn it from, you know, talking to people or sometimes learn it from like the internet. And I remember one time I was watching uh, meat eater and he was hunting mule deer in Idaho and he killed like this booner mule deer. But this mule deer is standing there with this doe and uh, the doe's like flicking her tail and she's acting weird and like she might bug out at any moment and the buck's just standing there and he's got to like cross this little valley to get to it and climb up this steep hill and he's like climbing up the steep hill and he's like, he like told himself, you know, I can't control how long that buck stays there, but I can control what I do before I get there. You know, like I don't want to like charge up this hill and be out of breath and make a bad shot. He's like, I'm just going to take my time and make sure I do it right. And if it works, it works. And so I kind of had that same thing in my head, like that hunt flashed through my head when I was literally moving in on this turkey. And so I'm like moving and I felt like I was getting in a hurry. And so I like, I got down behind this bush and I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to chill out. Cause if I push in too far, I'm going to bust him. And if I bust him, then I know I'm not going to kill him where if he just flies down before I get there, big deal. I could probably still, you know, make something happen. So I like, dude, I stopped, I took my turkey vest off and everything. And I took my hoodie off and put it in my vest clipped the vest back on and kept moving. Like I took my time getting to this bird for sure. Um, which I'm really glad I did. Cause I definitely think I would have busted him off the roost if I hadn't, uh, just been careful. Cause there was just enough time between gobbles where if I'm just like chugging through the woods, I, I probably would have made a mistake. Now, that being said, was there a certain time point when you're walking in on that you cut your light off or was it already light by the time you, you know, were getting within a hundred or 200 yards of that bird? By the time I got within 150, it was pretty good light. Like, when I stopped 
to uh to take my hoodie off, I, I also put my headlamp up, so I didn't need it anymore by that point. Got you. Now, one other thing, when you got up on that bird, was he, by the time you sat down, was he already on the ground or was he still up in the tree? But So, actually, one thing I left out, there was actually two birds roosted together that were goblin. And by the time, I got confused when I got set up because I got to the area I wanted to set up and one of them had pitched down already and he was like 50 yards further. I was like, oh crap, well I guess I haven't made it far enough. I'm like, I think I can go to that tree. And so there's this big cedar and I'm like, I want to get right there just just to get a little bit closer, like push it a little bit more because I feel like I can get away with it. And I get up to that tree and I'm just about to sit down and then the other turkey gobbles and he's like to my left and he's like right there. That's why I'm saying like I don't know if I was like 40 or 60, but that bird was like I mean right on top of me. Like I was like crap, he's he's seen me, but he hadn't seen me. So what it was is like like I said, one of them pitched down and one of them was still in the tree. And then I sat down and got set up, and then I did the fly down with my hat, and the one that was still in the tree answered. And then he pitched down, and I yelped. I heard him uh, pitch down, and I yelped, and then he gobbled at it again, and that's when I shut up. So when the first one pitched down, I never heard him again. I don't know what he did. Uh, like, maybe there was some hens, and, and that one took him. I don't know what happened. Uh, but, yeah, that's pretty much how that went down. Very cool. Well, let's kind of get over to your second bird that you killed because I think it's another really interesting hunt just because of how it laid out. So, uh, you know, a few days went by and, you know, you had another opportunity to kill a turkey. So explain, you know, what all went into that hunt. You know, it was another public land bird, a national forest bird, um, and hunting a place that you've never really been to before, correct? Yeah, so I'd never been here before. Uh, it was in the – it was – close to where i hunted opening day but not really i mean it was like half an hour away from it so uh i just i was looking at it on the map and i'm trying to like sharpen my map scouting skills for turkeys because you know it's hard nowadays to just find time to like go wander around looking for them and so map scouting is really helpful when i can just you know identify a spot at home and go to it and there's animals there so uh uh what i look for is i look for like a long ridge that's got little spur ridges coming off of it and I look for diversity. So I wanted pines and I wanted hardwoods and if at all possible, I wanted water. And I found a spot that was exactly like this, like a huge, nice giant ridge that, you know, went and tapered off to a point and it had all these little spur ridges coming off the sides of it. There's a body of water over there. There's creeks everywhere. There's pines on top and it's hardwoods in the bottoms. And I'm like, okay, this, there's turkeys in there. There's no doubt. There's got to be turkeys in there. So I called a buddy who lives in the area and he, he's like, yeah, I've hunted in there before. I've, I've gotten on a lot of birds in there. So I was like, sweet. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go try this out. So <laughs> this goes into the ethics thing that me and you talked about, or me and Mark talked about. I go there and I get there at like 5am uh, and I'm pulling onto this dirt road that I'm going to park on and this dirt road, like another dirt road hits it. And I'm just about to turn right on this other road, and this guy comes flying past me. I mean, like 100 miles an hour, just like rips by me on this dirt road. I was like, he's going to my freaking gate. And so I whip out, and I follow him, and sure enough, he parks right at the gate I was going to go to. So I was like, well, can't go there anymore. So um, luckily, I had a backup spot where if somebody had beat me to that gate, I had a backup spot. Go to the backup spot, and there's two trucks there. This is like 5, 10 in the morning, so people hungry this year, that's for sure. Because I've never had a problem beating people to gates before. Um, 
I'll go there. There's two guys there. And I had three spots actually lined up. The third spot, I couldn't hunt either. I went to it, and I parked, and I was about to start getting ready, but I was looking at the map, and I'm like, if a turkey gobbles on my right, the first guy's going to hear it. If a turkey gobbles on my left, the other two guys are going to hear it, and it's not going to be good. So I'm like, I'm just going to give these guys some space. You know, but they beat me in there fair and square. So I just got in the truck, and I, I looked at the map sitting there. It was like 530 at this point, and I found another ridge. And it's another ridge that's just, it's a long, pretty straight ridge. It's got spur ridges off of it and little drainages coming off of it and everything. It's just good topography. A lot of, I'm looking for like points. So like I want the initial ridge to come down to a point and, and then there'd be little points coming off of it. Like if the ridge is running north to south, it comes to a, it's like fat down south and then tapers up to a point to the north. And then on the east and west side, there's little mini ridges coming off of it. So I wanted that because my thinking was, you know, the turkeys, first of all, um, like to get up high and then maybe pitch down to like roost in this kind of like mountainous country. So I'm like, well, maybe they'll get on the these points and they'll pitch off of these points down and, and find a roost tree because I've seen them in spots like that a lot, I feel like. So um, <laughs> this this ridge, I can't see it on my satellite because uh, my satellite photos because the I don't have any service there and I don't have it saved or anything. So all I can see is a topo map. I'm like, well, this looks good. So I go park there, and in the headlights, I can see that it's like longleaf pines, like a longleaf pine plantation. I'm like, oh, slick. This looks great. So I hop out, and I start walking, and it's like grass. It's like knee-high. It's clearly burned pretty often. I'm like, all right, this looks good. I'm feeling confident now. I make it like 150 yards in, and it turns into like the nastiest like sumac sweet gum briar thicket ever like i literally i'm like getting jabbed in the armpits with briars like trying to push through this stuff and i'm like mad <laughs> like i'm pissed going through this stuff and uh i finally fight my way back kind of three quarters of the way down this ridge and i find a spot with uh with you know, less briars and there's a, it's open enough to where I can like sit up against one of these pines without sitting on a briar bush. So I sit on it and I'm just like angry. So I take out my sandwich that I was supposed to eat for lunch and start eating it. So I'm like, I'm just going to eat this dang sandwich and, uh, start drinking my water and everything, relaxing, like cooling off. Cause I was all sweaty at this point. And, uh, it starts getting light. And I mean, dude, there wasn't a, it was like a beautiful day, like not, not windy bluebird day. And I mean, the crows weren't calling, the owls weren't hooting, the birds were hardly chirping, and the turkeys were not gobbling. So it was like dead, 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 dead. So it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, they're not going to gobble this morning. It got to be like 6.30 or so, and I just heard nothing. I'm like, okay, it's not it's not a goblin morning for some reason. So I look at the map again. By this point, I, I can see the satellite images. It's finally loaded. And I look at the point of this ridge that I'm on, and I'm not far from I'm like 200 yards from it. And this ridge comes to a point, and the pines end right there. And it's like a beautiful creek bottom, it looks like, in front of it. Like, nice, steep drop. And then right across the valley from it, there is a uh, like a low gap. There's another ridge that comes down, and there's a big saddle right there. And my ridge almost hits it. There's a valley in between it with a creek, but it makes like a T. And I'm like, okay, this looks really good, because I could see a bird like pitching off and roosting off of my ridge or the other ridge and getting like right there in between them. Like it just looks like a place a turkey could roost because of the, the pitch of the hills and everything. Like 
I can imagine a turkey walking up the side of the hill, turning around and pitching off the hill into a tree. Um, so that was my way of thinking, at least. So I walk up to the point of this ridge, and by this time it's like almost 7 o'clock. Uh, it's like 6.50. And I get to the point of the ridge, and I look at it, and I'm like, yeah, this definitely looks like a turkey would roost here. I mean, it's like very pretty. It's like open woods. Like I could see a strutter being in there. So I'm like, okay. Like, it's still not late enough where they're definitely flown down. There might still be some turkeys in the trees. So I was going to ease up, and my plan was to, like, stand there and listen for a minute and then go uh, across the valley, get in that low gap for the saddle, and uh, sit there and just cold call for a while and just kind of let the morning pass by and then, you know, run and gun midday if I don't kill one by, like, 9 o'clock. So I start easing up there. And I'm I'm just about to start listening. I mean, I like literally had just stopped. And there's old scratch everywhere. And I'm like, okay, this looks pretty good. Like clearly there's been turkeys in here, even though none of this is very fresh. And as soon as I stop, I hear like a slap out in the woods, like close to me, like right at the point of the ridge. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, that sound that really sounded like a turkey. Like that sounded like a turkey pitching down. I've heard that before. Like a lot of times when they pitch down, they'll slap the limb. Like I guess when they're trying to to go down or they slap the limb or themselves or something it makes like a loud clap almost and i heard that and i'm like gosh that sounded like a turkey so i'm like well this sets up really good and if that turkey did pitch down on this hill i'm on then he's like right there at the end of the ridge so we're talking like i'm standing maybe 70 yards from the point of this ridge and that bird sounded like it pitched down right there at that point. Like it was roosted right off the point and it pitched down onto the point. So I drop a quarter of the way down the ridge where I'm just like side hilling at this point because I don't want to skyline myself or anything like that. And I'm like, okay, there's a pine right there, like a big fat loblo or a longleaf pine. And I'm going to get to that pine and I'm just going to cluck a few times because again, if that turkey, if that, first of all, if it was a turkey and if it did pitch down onto my ridge, he's like right around that bend. He's really close. So I don't want to like, I don't want to walk towards him and just like charge up there to that pine or anything. So I start walking to the pine and I'm like walking like a turkey. I'm trying to like two or three steps and I'll scratch in the leaves a couple times, two or three steps. And I'm like scratching just trying to like real casually like make it to this pine so I'm not like disrupting the woods or anything. And I was just going to like sit down against the pine, aim my gun and cluck a few times and see what happened. Well, I go down and I make a few steps and I scratch and I make a few steps and I scratch and I scratch for a third time and I look up and the freaking turkey is like standing there at like 30 yards in the wide open. And it somehow had not seen me. So it came around the side of the ridge looking for me, I guess. It comes around the side of the ridge, and it's, like, walking right at me, looking. And there's, like, this big tree right there, and it goes behind that tree. And I had time enough to turn my red dot sight on, because I'm shooting a red dot this year on my shotgun. Turn that on, flip the safety off, get the gun up, and then he pops out on the other side, and I blast him at, like, 30 yards and kill him. And it happened, dude, it happened. I saw that turkey for, like, three seconds tops before I shot him. Uh, it happened like that. I didn't even know, like... Like, I wasn't even shaken up. Like, I wasn't even excited. I was like, what just happened? And I'm like, look down here, and there's a turkey flopping in the bottom. So I, like, run down there and get him. And I'm, like, sitting there with him for, like, two or three minutes. And then I get all, like, jittery and shaken up. I'm like, oh, my God, I just killed a turkey. I can't believe that happened. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have my face mask on. I didn't have any calls out. Like, nothing. So, I mean, part of it, a huge part of it was definitely luck. 
but I will say I was there for a reason. Like I thought there might be one roosted there, but I'm very lucky that I heard him pitch down. Because if I didn't hear him pitch down, then I probably uh, probably would have busted him out of there. Dude, that's so freaking cool. Which, by the way, on a side note, I got to ask, how do you like shooting that red dot so far this year with killing two birds? Oh, I love it, uh, dude. I love it. So it's magnified just a little bit. It's like two times magnification. And on the first bird, you know, he it took him a long time to work in, so I was, like, ready when he came in. But there was a lot of privet in there, and that magnification, at first I hated it because it's weird looking through it, and it's got, like, a blue tint to it. And at first I really hated it. Um, but then when that first turkey came in, that magnification really helped me see through that brush and I had to like adjust a little bit before I shot him. Uh, so it definitely helped with that. But then when I had to shoot this other one, I mean, it was like a snapshot. It happened really fast. That open sight picture where you just have a floating dot in the middle of the glass and everything else is open. I mean, dude, it helped me get on him like that. I mean, no target panic, no nothing. Just pull up like super fast target acquisition. And uh, I mean, it was it was awesome. I love that thing for sure. I'm glad I spent the money on it. Also, I was gonna say, you know, in a situation like that, a lot of guys I think would have shot over that turkey because they would have shot over that gun really quickly, not got their head down on it, exactly. and then shot right over the top of them, and that bird would have flown off. Exactly. So. Exactly. And another thing with the red dot that people might not realize is that it doesn't matter if you have your cheek all the way down, like the dot. Wherever the dot is is where you're hitting. You know, it's not like you're trying to line up to like a bead with a rail or a bead with with some like rear sights or something. So you don't have to be perfect, you know, form to get on it, which is good for a couple reasons. Like one for an inconvenient situation, but also you don't necessarily have to like cheek down on the gun so hard and like beat the snot out of yourself when you're trying to pattern it and everything. <laughs> so yeah, dude, I, I highly suggest it. I shoot a, a Burris Fast Fire Three, so highly suggest it. So, so let's break down this hunt a little bit more. One thing I'm, I'm very curious to ask you, what to you, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, but let's go back over it. What to you when you're looking at a map, because I think a lot of guys are asking, like they're probably screaming this at the radio right now or their phone or whatever they're listening to <laughs> on. When you're looking at a map, what tells you, okay, I think there's going to be turkeys roosted in this area? So, like, especially you know, talking like deep south, kind of, you know, the region of the country that we are hunting in, you know, where it's a lot of timber company. What to you screams turkey? Okay, um, I'm I'm getting really confident with this because uh, when me and Mark hunted the other day, we used it again. Uh, so just a brief story about this. Uh, we were going to hunt this one spot, but they closed the road that went to the gate, and so you could not get to it. So we had to go park on the backside and walk like a mile into this place. And it's another pretty similar area. It's got a, a long, you know, like I call it like a knife edge ridge maybe you could say. Um, where this big ridge comes down and then there's a big bottom that runs up into these woods and it's like swampy and the bottom goes out and it's got two other bottoms that run into it. So it's like a Y, like a, it looks like a Y. And in the middle of the Y, there's another long ridge that comes down to a point like that juts down into that swamp and it's like a very sharp point on that ridge. So that's where we were thinking the turkeys were going to be. We, we walk all the way in there and we get there and there's freaking three guys, which... <laughs> Oh, dude, I was, I was not happy with this. We walk in there. There's three dudes sitting there on the trail. And so we walk up to them, and I'm like, where did you come from? Because we, we came in the only legal way. And they're like, oh, well, uh, that, that road closed, son. Uh, we drove around it. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, seriously, dude. So we had a conversation with them. Uh, we were nice to them. I mean, like, I didn't 
I didn't want to. It's not worth you know arguing with them and starting like a pissing match at like 5 a.m. out in the middle of the woods. Uh, so we're like, okay, you guys can have it. Um, so we ended up moving away from them, but we went right up into that swamp, which they're like, oh, we're listening back there. And I was like, well, we're going to go into it. <laughs> you came in here illegally. So we went up in there, um, and there's this, this again, like a knife point ridge that comes down. And uh, there's plenty of diversity in there. So there's pines on that ridge, and then there's swamps in the bottoms. And I'm like, I think that turkeys are going to be roosted on that ridge, and if they have hens, they're going to come to these bottoms and work down the bottoms. And that's exactly what ended up happening. About 8 o'clock, again, no birds gobbled that morning, but about 8 o'clock we had a hen just come cruising by, one hen. And then about 9 so nine or 10 or 9.30 or so, I throw out like a few loud yelps before we leave, and some hens answer us, I mean, just right up the valley, and then some jakes start caulking and everything. So that's exactly what happened. This flock was roosted up on that um, up on that ridge, and they pitched down, and they came down to the bottom, and they were slowly drifting down towards us. And we, we ended up calling up another hen, but we couldn't get the full group to come to us. But uh, for... Like topography, I guess what I, what I've been looking for is just uh, points. I mean, r- really, the exact same thing you look for for deer bedding, like points of ridges, like especially little spur ridges and stuff. Because it, it for me at least, it really seems like the turkeys, if there are hills around, the turkeys like to get up on those hills and then pitch off of them to to go to roost. So. It's like almost every time I find a turkey that's roosted in one of these like hilly areas, even if it's like really bottomland stuff that's got a few hills in it, it seems like the turkeys are always roosted like at the bases of hills or like, or if there's like a bench, they'll be like roosted right above the bench or something. It just, it really seems like they like to get up on a hill and pitch off of it. And it could be like, it just depends on the makeup of your area. But, uh, I like to find like the ridge points Or even if it's like, if you're looking like at this valley and there's not like a point that comes down into a valley, but there's little drainages that go down on either side of the valley. So you have your main drainage that runs north and south, and then you have hills on the east and west side of that drainage. And you have little drainages feeding into the main drainages coming down those hillsides. Those little, little spurs in between the, uh, in between the drainages, the high spots, that's where I see them roosted too a lot of times. Uh, The turkey I killed... The first turkey I killed this year, he was roosted in an exact spot like that where there's there's just one big valley. There's no, like, big, huge ridge point jutting down into it. Like, the topography there is very gentle. It's pretty swampy stuff. But there are these little tiny drainages, not even flowing streams, but, like, you know, springs that come down, like dry springs. And in between two of those springs where there's, you know, just a little spur ridge, he was up there. And to me it seemed like he'd walked to the top of this ridge and then pitched off the side of it, like, onto one of these little spur ridges, and that way it was easy for him to fly to, but also he's got uh, these two little drainages on either side of him that he can pitch right down into pretty easy. So I don't know how accurate that is, but since I've been, like, testing it, it seems like there's really something to it. Uh, It'll take a lot more, you know, hunting and trial and error and talking to people who are better at hunting than me to figure it out, but... I mean, that's what it seemed like for me this year. Again, can you, is this something that you can see on a map fairly easily? Or yeah. is this something that you have to see only on the, like, on the ground? You know what? I'm going to find one on a state park, like an area that uh, that I'm talking about, and we'll post it with the 
description for this on Facebook tomorrow. So if you're listening to this straight off iTunes or something like that, um, go find our Facebook post and I'll post a picture. And if you're uh, listening to it off Facebook, go subscribe on something so it's easier to get us. Uh, but yeah, you can definitely find it on a map. I mean, golly, it's, it's, it's so hard to explain like topography, but, uh, I, I not only look for the topo features I'm talking about, but I'll also look for like, again, diversity, like what Shane Simpson was talking about. Uh, that, that really changed my outlook on it too, where, you know, there might be a, like a, like a thermal hub or like a bowl is what a lot of, like we grew up calling it a bowl where a bunch of different drainages come to this one spot and kind of can join uh, Josh driver calls it a crow's foot, just stuff like that, where there's, you know, several drainages coming together. It might be three or more. Those points of the ridges that drop down into that bowl, that's where like I'm finding turkeys roosted a lot. Um, so take that in consideration, especially when there's like a like a mix of pines and hardwoods, or maybe there's pines on top and hardwoods in the bottom, or something like that. It just it seems like those areas have been super super productive this year, for me at least. Very cool. Now let's kind of get back to this hunt because uh, there's a lot of you know cool tidbits to this. So one thing is you know you're talking about on this ridge that you found it was a very long ridge that you had access point to, and I'm guessing were you just walking down the middle of the ridge, you know, to the end of it, or what were you doing to get back in there? Yeah, so I pretty much walked down the middle of the ridge to get back there. Uh, there was like a very small trail, like a hiking trail that went back in there. Uh, it wasn't a gate or anything. It was, just, I literally just pulled over on the side of the road, like in a spot just big enough for my truck. Um, which is another thing that probably like maybe helped is it clearly wasn't a spot that a lot of people have been hunting over the last like five days or whatever it had been since the opener. So that probably helped. But yeah, I just walked down the middle of the ridge, but I was also, once it got daylight and once I was getting closer to the tip of the ridge, you know, where it starts getting a lot skinnier, because back where I parked, the ridge is like a couple hundred yards wide. And then the closer you get to the tip, it starts getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. And when I got to the place where it wouldn't be too difficult to look off one side and then walk a few feet and look off the other side, that's when I was like, okay, I need to maybe like get on one side of this ridge and just move on that side so I don't get skyline from both sides, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm so, trying to take that into a much more consideration this year is not skylining myself so much because you can see a pretty long ways through the woods, especially in early season. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, this area had a bunch of different things going for it. You know, it had the diversity, it had that long ridge, it had a, you know, a big saddle on the other side of the valley from me as well that, you know, could hold birds uh, and be kind of a, a I guess, a, a point that birds would come to throughout the day. Uh, coming through all the different ridges uh, that kind of network through there. Now, when it came to, you know, tuning your ears in for the hunt, I think, you know, Devin Duncan um, talked a lot about this, about tuning your ears into um, know what you're listening for yes. when you're in the woods and and having the the mindset to do that to be able to hear those very subtle things from just a wing beat. I mean, a lo- I've heard it too, where a lot of times you only hear it once or twice when the bird's coming down the tree. It's not like you hear like, flop, 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 flop. It's like mm-hmm. one or two times and that's it. So I think that was a critical point for you to be able to have your ears tuned to that and then pick that up and be like, okay, that that could have been a turkey. Yeah, that's it's funny. I forgot about that. Right before I heard that thing, somewhere in that episode, Devin said like something like, he was like, I like to turn my whole body into an ear. 
and I, that ran through my head right before I heard that thing. I was like, I really need to listen here because it's it was so quiet. I, I couldn't believe they weren't gobbling that morning. It was like a perfect morning for God. It was like sixty degrees, no breeze, bluebird day. I mean, just like perfect, and they weren't gobbling. So I was like, well, I can hear so far. I might as well try to hear like spitting and drumming or or leaves crunching or something. And yeah, that's exactly what happened. I, as soon as I stopped, I heard that one like whoosh, like just a just like a slap where I don't know if that he hit the limb or something with his wing or or if he like clapped his wings when he first uh pitched off or I don't know what made the sound, but I could hear it and I was like that definitely sounded like a turkey. Well, I'll tell you this, one thing uh, I, I saw this last year when filming up in Tennessee uh for the opener hunt uh for that governor's tag with um Rick Taylor. So one thing I know is there, those turkeys were roosted. The property that we had access to was like, it was a very, at the very top of the property. This was like all got cattle farm. It was a big field up top and then a super, super, super steep hillside. I mean, like steep enough that like you could easily slide down to the bottom. It was probably 150, 180 feet down, super steep. And it was all big hardwoods right there. And then it went down to another cattle pasture mm-hmm. and the birds were roosted right at the freaking top on that edge. And they all, uh, pitched down to the bottom field in the morning. But dude, when they did it, they were so quiet because they literally do one flap. You'd hear one flap and then they just co- the, uh, not coast, but they just glide down to the bottom. Yep. That's and exactly like, what I heard. And it's so quiet in that super steep country where they literally, they do one beat just to get them off the branch. And then they freaking just, I mean, throw those wings out and glide down to the bottom. It's super quiet. So if you're not paying attention, I mean, I was filming some of it, but like, if you weren't paying attention, you probably wouldn't have heard that. Um, And that's another reason why, you know, you're close to that Turkey. Cause if you can hear that dude, even on a quiet morning, dude, I mean, you are, you are, you know, in his bubble for sure. If you can, if you can pick up on that. Yeah, uh, that's been that's been like a theme of the week for me and Mark is uh, getting in their bubble. We're we're trying to get like kind of, I mean, not even necessarily get aggressive, but like just just like take chances more to like get closer to these turkeys because our success rate calling these things in, which I've killed two, Mark has killed one so far. Our success rate is way higher when you get like within a hundred yards or so of them. And I feel like the closer you can get to them undetected before you start calling, the higher your chances go up. Uh, so that's definitely a good point to bring up, no doubt. I'm I'm glad I heard his wing beat because if not, I would have probably blown him out of there for sure. So another portion of this hunt I want to hit on is how you close the distance. You heard the wing beat on the opposite side of the little spur of the ridge uh, or just right off that point. And you have the, the thought process, which I'm guessing you're kind of walking through, you know, on the edge of it where there's more hardwood. So there's more leaves all on the ground, I'm guessing. Yeah. But yeah. T- to walk like a turkey and scratch instead of instantly just hitting a tree, mm-hmm. um, which, again, you know, that subtle noise, I'm sure, you know, adds some realism to what was going on, even though you hadn't called at all. But made that turkey probably feel like there was another bird in the air that he wanted to come check out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I was like standing right on the military crest of that ridge when I heard that. And so I was like, okay, I need to get off the side of this thing. Cause I don't know. I'm, I was confident it was a Turkey, but I didn't know, like, did he just sail across to the other side? Did he come down right on the edge? Is it going to come down up on top? I mean, I didn't even know if it was a gobbler or not, but I just assumed it was. Um, so I dropped off the side of the ridge down the military crest and got like three quarters of the way or 
a quarter of the way down. So I'm on the top third of that ridge, kind of a lot like the same kind of place where you typically find a deer trail, like that top third. Um, and I got right there and it's right on the pine hardwood transition. So there's a lot of leaves there and they were kind of moist. So I was being like really nice and quiet. I was just trying not to break sticks and everything. And part of my thought process was again, I'm thinking if he pitched down on my side of this ridge, then he's like right there. He's right around this lip. So I'm like 70 yards from where that, that lip is when I first start walking. And so my thought process is like, well, if I hit a tree just right here and I cluck and purr or yelp at him and he comes over here to check it out, he can just pop over that lip and he's like 70 yards away and he can see everything. I mean, these woods are wide open. You know, if you're standing on the right part of that ridge, you can see 400 yards. So like this is very much like trying to use the terrain to my advantage. So it's like, again, wide open hardwoods. And I'm like, well, if I call from right here, then if he pops around, he's going to see either see me or he's not going to see a hen and he's probably not going to come any closer. And that's why I said uh, there's that pine tree ahead of me that I picked out because that pine tree was like 40 or so yards to that lip, or I thought it was 40. It was actually a little closer. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to slip up to that pine tree and then call. And that way, if he does a little peek and go, like Mike Pentecost called it, if he does a little peek and go and just like peeks over here and doesn't see a hen and then runs off or, or just meanders off, then at least he'll be in range and I'll have a chance. And yeah, I, I did the whole, the, the third time I scratched is when I looked up and he had like just walked around the side of the ridge right to me. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, that that's a good way to use, you know, your woodsmanship to be able to get close up to a turkey, but also, you know, in a way, if you think about it, call to a bird without actually having to make, you know, vocalizations. I mean, again, turkeys make more noise than just, you know, yelp and cut and purr and, and cluck. Um, so I, I think, and that's exactly what killed that bird is this, it's curiosity and you being stealthy going in there and just making the right kind of noise. Because um, if you would have, you know, ran up to that tree or just walked kind of speedily up to that tree without doing anything else, I'm sure that turkey probably wouldn't have been um, as eager to pop around and, and and uh and see what was going on yeah. um so that, that's a really good point again you know hear something like that just be patient and slow down and uh it's absolutely helps you kill two birds within a week <laughs> yeah but awesome. dude i've never i don't think i've ever killed one opening week and i killed two opening week this year so uh definitely uh listening to the guys like dave and mike and and chris and all them and Devin has definitely helped me i would say because they've given me a lot of tips that have help me at least get on turkeys and, and seal the deal on them too. So thanks to all our guests for making me a better turkey hunter. Um, another thing I'll say is I don't know why that turkey didn't see me. Like, I mean, cause when I saw him, he was not acting spooked. I mean, he was walking around looking and he did not see me. I don't know what it was, but one thing that you taught me, Jacob is like when you're still hunting for deer, you like to basically keep your upper body like extremely still and just shuffle your feet basically. And you, you don't do any head bobs. You don't lick with your head. You don't move your arms. It's like you try to make it look like you're like, if you couldn't see your, the bottom half of your body, it looks like your upper half is like floating through the woods. Basically. Is that right? Exactly. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. So just like very slowly don't bob and weave. Don't, you know, don't lean over one side or the other, just like very slow and smooth walking through the woods. And that's what I was doing with the exception of kicking my right leg out, scratching every few, every few moments. 
so I don't know. When he came around, I think that maybe because I was being so still when I was doing all this, I was moving so little. I think that maybe when he first came around, he might have looked right past me because, I mean, I was being still enough. There, I mean, there's a chance he could have seen like, you know, like, oh, maybe that's like a part of a tree or something. You know, like there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of trees in there that have died. And so you have like a section of it still standing and everything. So I don't know what he saw or he didn't saw, but like whatever I was doing obviously worked because, I mean, he looked right past me and he walked in front of me. I mean, he walked where I could see him. He probably walked almost 10 yards before I shot him. Uh, so I, I don't know what the deal was, but I'm definitely lucky. <laughs> well, uh, and an, another thing for anyone to kind of see what we're talking about, one of the best ways to see a predator, you know, move through the woods like this, like what we're talking about, like your upper upper part of your body doesn't move. It's just like your lower extremity uh, extremities is watch a bobcat watch a bobcat trying to sneak up you can google on youtube watch how a bobcat will sneak up on like pulse or or, or a squirrel or whatever their upper body does not move they look with their eyes and they're moving their they're moving their feet that is it um and they're very still and when they make a move it is very precise um you know if you watch how they is when especially when they're getting close and they're they're, they're slowing themselves down it is a perfect representation of how to shoot deer off the ground with your bow, but also like what worked for you, just ease around uh, and be able to kill a turkey standing up like that without having him spooked. Um, so that's that's a perfect example for anyone who wants to see that and kind of get a visual. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I don't know why that turkey didn't see me, but I know for a fact that if I had just been walking normally, that he definitely would have seen me. I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, I remember we were still hunting sometime for deer this year. And that's when you taught me about that. Cause I would, I would like, you know, you're walking through like a thicket bow hunting off the ground and you know, you'll do the whole like head bob where you like move your head down and like to the side and you're like trying to look through the brush and like, you know, move your head around and get different perspectives. And you're like, don't do that. <laughs> like they can see you don't do that. So yeah, that came in handy. I think, I mean, that's the only reason I can think that he didn't see me before he did. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, again, one thing people don't understand is Andrew's actually using a hex suit, guys. (laughs) (laughs) My electromagnetic field was blocked. (laughs) Hashtag sponsored. (laughs) I don't wear a hex suit, everybody. (laughs) It's a joke. Now, now Andrew is a big lover of uh, mountain ops. I swear to God, that dude's pumping him. Oh, no. He's shredded. No, no. Maybe if I worked out, but uh, I'm lazy. I get my working out from uh, hiking around in the woods. Man. Yep. Well, also, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's, you know, you've talked about that would be easy uh, for us to hit on that's, you know, kind of important. You know, I think this, the one other thing is uh, always being prepared to make a shot. Um, I'm guessing you didn't have your gun slinged over your shoulder at that time no so since i heard that and i figured that there could be a chance that like it might pop over the ridge or something and plus i was like you know thinking i was just about to get on a tree so i was carrying my gun in my right hand just down by my side um but like i said my my red dot sight wasn't even turned on so i'm trying to figure out the best way to use that thing because i don't want to like leave it on and have it die so i only turn it on when i get set up and i've been scared that I would like end up in a situation where I'd have to make like a quick shot and it wouldn't be turned on and I'd miss an opportunity. Thankfully that did not happen though. Cause like I said, he got right behind a tree and I flipped it on, shouldered it and it worked out perfect for me. 
yeah, you need to figure out what the battery life is on, on that setup because my Trigicon, I think it's, you know, 12 or 15,000 hours or something like that. Um, but a lot of those are like 50,000 hour uh, battery lives. Um, so you just leave them on. Um, and you could do that all turkey season and then just change the batteries out after turkey season and not have to worry about it. Huh. Um, I did not know yeah. that. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. good to know. But uh, just double check and, and see what uh, they're rated for. And also depends on what better you get in it. But yeah, most of like the, the hollow sun red dots, dude, they have like a 50,000 hour, uh, battery life. I like, did. You just leave them on and they're motion censored. So like they turn off if it hasn't been moved in like 10 or uh, 10 seconds or 20 seconds or 30 seconds. Um, and then, you know, when you move the gun or whatever, it, it automatically pops back on. Oh um, dude, that's freaking slick. Yeah. So. Yes, sir. Uh, also, another tip you can do for leaving your leaving your sight on is like if you're you know going to the woods, wherever uh, you can turn the brightness down. Um, don't leave it up all the way or whatever. And then also, if you store your gun, like I've got the RMR on that pistol of mine, Trishcon RMR, and dude, I've had it since 2017, and it's stayed on since 2017, and the batteries are still good on it. Oh um, wow. That may have I, it doesn't turn off. I don't turn it off. I just turn the I turn the brightness down uh, pretty much all the way. We're like in the dark, you can see it, but in the daylight, I just you know hit it three times on the brightness, and it and you're good to go. Yeah, that burst I have the it's got the first setting is like an automatic setting, and it works pretty good. Like it usually gets it, but early in the morning, it typically makes it too bright, so I like put it on that dim setting, but. Other than that, I mean, it works. I'm super, super happy with it. I'm very glad that I went to that setup. I mean, even when I patterned my gun, I saw a noticeable difference in accuracy. I mean, I, I was accurate. I was more accurate right off the bat with that thing than I was with my regular sights that are on my gun. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it gives you a lot more confidence, too. I mean, um, you know, having something, especially when you can pattern it and, and get it dialed in, having the confidence that you don't have to have a perfect cheap like uh rest or a, a perfect you know shoulder of the gun to make those offhand shots i mean to me it would give me a bunch of confidence uh, i haven't put one on mine yet it's probably i'm probably gonna do it i probably won't do it this year though um but definitely uh come later on this year i'm definitely gonna have one i, I told you I, I said one thing that i thought was kind of interesting i know i've seen guys actually dove hunt with a red dot um oh i've thought about it and dude I, I'm, I'm just thinking, dude. I think that would be pretty slick in some situations, depending on what red dot you had that had a, you know, a fairly uh, wild field, a wide field of view. Can't do it with like my Trigicon; it's too freaking blocky. But like those, uh, the Viper um, from Vortex or the Venom red dot. Uh -huh. um, both of those are actually their uh, reflex sights, or one of them's a reflex. Anyways, um, they're 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 very thin framed, and like, dude, you could absolutely use them for waterfowl or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've thought about it with mine uh, because when I first sighted in with that thing, I, I was, first of all, I got like crappy shells, like regular, you know, dove loads, and I shot them at like 10 yards. And it, so it's like a nice tight pattern. And I could see exactly where it was sitting, you know, zeroed it in and then let a turkey load fly through it. And it, it was like dead on perfect. But then I went back to the dove loads because they were hitting in the same spot. And I set up a bunch of targets around the range and I was like snap shooting them really fast because I was practicing for the, the exact situation that happened a couple of days ago with that second turkey I killed where I had to like swing up on one or get up on one fast and shoot. 
And I mean, with those red dots, with it being open and there's nothing clouding up your sight picture. I mean, it's literally a wide open sight picture with like a little red dot in the middle of it. So dude, I'm like, I'm getting on targets like that. I mean, there's no delay. It's super easy, very, very accurate. So highly recommend to anybody out there. Uh, just go with a red dot. I mean, and it doesn't have to be an expensive one. Size killed four turkeys this year. Um, and he's got like a $20 red dot, like he, a super cheap red dot. Yeah. He's got that sight mark, uh, red dot. Um, yeah, dude, as long as you just take care of your gun, whatever, man, it's, it's, I think it'd be worth it for a lot of guys. You know, there's the traditionalist guys out there. They're like, Oh man, you know, that's not the right real way to turkey hunt. I'm like, I just want to kill the freaking turkey, dude. Um, you know, some guys want to bow hunt them. Some guys want to shoot them with the shotgun. Some guys, and I think it's Virginia or West Virginia, one of the states you can hunt with a rifle. You do you, man. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if I can use a red dot, I think that would be so much nicer. And then also, I, the, the biggest thing, I think, with a red dot, and I, I know we're kind of getting sidetracked here, but I think one of the biggest things using a red dot is when you're looking down at a turkey, especially if it's like a 1 MOA or 2 MOA or even a 3 MOA dot, um, when you're looking at that turkey and you got it on his waddles, you can see the whole bird. It's not like you can only see from his waddles up like yes. you can with a bead. Yes, that's, that's exactly that's right. Yeah, that first turkey I shot, that was huge because he was coming in and he was coming right to me just about. Uh, he was like a little off to my right and he was coming to me and uh, I was aiming at him and he was literally had to like walk through this little privet bush. He, he was like ducking and he was like squeezing through it. And I was watching him through that red dot sight, and he lifted his head back up. And I put the dot, I mean, right on his waddles. And I could see, like, his whole neck. I could see his head. I could see his body. It was, like, everything. It was perfect. And, yeah, I made a perfect shot on him. I think that's huge, especially if you get a bird that's kind of spooky where he's, like, bobbing and weaving, dude. Yeah. Uh, because you can miss a turkey because I've done it very easily when he's doing that when you have a bead because you can only see what's above at or above the bead. And really the bead, depending on how far he is, if he's at 35, 40 yards, you know, the beads could cover up a lot of the freaking turkey. Um, where that dot, it's just so crisp and easy just to put it around the waddles or wherever your aiming point is. You know, everybody's a little bit different. Um, and even if he's moving, as in like, you know, he's kind of bobbing and weaving, whatever, dude, he's got his head's cocked back, looking around and crap. Um, it's, I think it's so much easier to hold down on that turkey. So, yeah. Well, another thing too is with a bead or I was shooting like a, the little attachable, like kind of, what do you, like a, you got a rear sight and then a bead up front uh, on the rail of your shotgun. So I yeah, had that, yeah, I had that attached to my shotgun. It's a, it's a Mossberg 835 is what I shoot. Um, old toothbuster. That Joker is not fun to to pattern, but um, I had that on there, and specifically that first turkey I shot, which I've missed a turkey in almost the exact same scenario before, which was heartbreaking. Um, is they're coming through? There's some brush and everything in the way, uh, and they're like in that thirty to forty yard range. When you get on them, not only can you not see the bird, but you can't see whatever crap is in front of you very well. Um, when there's that kind of distance before you, there's all kinds of, for me, there's all kinds of little, um, like privet shoots coming up left and right. And not only did the magnification help me see through that, cause I almost pulled the trigger a little too early. Uh, I'm confident it probably still would have killed him, but there was just more junk in the way and being able to see that with the magnification, but also have that full sight picture where I saw, I saw everything that was going on. I saw where the bird was. I could see his whole body and I could see everything in the foreground that helped me make that last final adjustment to make that, you know, deadly shot on him, like very quick, uh, clean kill. 
Yeah, I've got something for you. All the birds in the past that you've missed, and I mean, I already know my answer, but like, especially like the one you body punched a couple of years ago or last year, whatever it was, if you would have had the red dot instead, kind of be able to settle, settle the, the gun on them, what do you think the outcome? Would the outcome been different on some of those birds? Or the one what? I the one I missed on opening day a couple of years ago, I mm-hmm. think I definitely would have killed him with a red dot. Because uh, that one, that was just a crap show. I mean, like, that one I got, like, right on him on the roost and didn't know he was there, and he gobbled, like, 40 yards from me and caught me off guard. And he pitched down, and I was shooting, again, through – I was shooting downhill through some, like, kind of open hardwoods, but there was all kinds of, like, little – like brushy stuff here and there and he was coming for me and I was just like amped up and I'm like I want to shoot him because I didn't have good cover and I'm like I know he's in range so I just want to kill him as soon as I can uh and I had this gap between these trees that I could shoot through but there was a little bit of brush which I I'm you know you see him you get laser focus I didn't even see that brush right there and so yeah I just knocked some feathers off of him he was fine flew off never found him um Actually, I did find him, and he flew off again. But anyways, uh, yeah, I think that if I had a red dot and I was able to identify, like, my sight picture better than, you know, having the gun barrel block a lot of it, then I think that that outcome might have been different. But on a lot of the other ones, it probably would have been the same because <laughs> most of them were, like, swing shots or, like, running turkeys or something. Oh, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, um, kind of going back towards the topics we were talking about, just kind of breaking down these hunts and the learning points from them. Is there anything else that you think uh, somebody could get value out of that we hadn't really covered? Dude, the biggest thing I can say is just don't give up. Like, you, I don't know how everybody out there, like maybe you've had like 10 terrible hunts in a row where you didn't even hear a bird. I would say go to a different place like if you're not having luck go somewhere else and don't don't ever give up because like you never know man if someone listening to this tomorrow on monday you know they might be like no maybe i could go on tuesday morning i I don't know weather's gonna do this like if you got time just like make it happen even if you can only get out for like an hour or two because you never know it might be one of those magical mornings where it's, you know, the morning that you always dreamed about in the turkey woods. I mean, both of the birds I shot this year, I was back at home by like 8.30. And I took my time coming out of the woods and everything. I mean, the first one I killed um, just after 7. And the second one I killed, I might have killed him just before 7. I mean, like very, very early in the morning. So, yeah, I would definitely say that. And another thing I will say is I've got property, like some public close to my house that I can hunt. But I've got... A lot of public land within two hours of me, but I've got some that's like 20 minutes from me, and it it gets hammered. It's got a very low population of turkeys, but it's close. But that being said, you know I could probably go hunt that like every day. But and I did kill the first turkey I killed out there. I'll say, I will say that. But I just it's really hard for me to get on turkeys out there. There's a low population. You hardly hear them gobbling. There's a lot of people that hunt it. It's like not a fun place to turkey hunt typically i mean it's just not a place where you go and get a lot of action i'll like i will give up time like i will give up time turkey hunting to go drive an hour and a half to a different place like i would rather go spend half a day on a different place that's a lot better that's like an hour or two away than spend a full day on a really crappy place that's like right next to me and that's a personal preference thing 
but this seemed to work for me in the past. So that's kind of the model I'm going with this year. Well, awesome. Well, dude, um, hopefully you can have some more success this coming week um, as things unravel, maybe, as long as we don't go to a full state shutdown. Yeah. Um, pretty much homebound. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be exciting. Hopefully I can get out maybe before work a couple days this week. Uh, that's kind of the goal, trying to see how how that plays out. But, uh, yeah, if I can kill one before work, dude, that'd be freaking awesome. Yeah, um, yeah dude. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Yep. Well, one other thing um, we can hit on as well is um, we have had quite a bit of listeners uh, ride in with some success. They've had uh, just turkey hunting. And so we're about to start posting some listener success stories. Uh, definitely this coming week. We've got quite a few of them we need to share. Um, but also, uh, one of our listeners who we actually had on for the Strut Report, um, I see Ryan. Oh, crap. Matt Ryan. What's Matt Ryan. Okay, Matt Ryan. Not the football player. But uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, he's been freaking killing the crap out of some public land birds down in South Alabama. The one, we, trying to get... the one we talked about on the strut report he killed. Yes, he did. He killed the next day, which is pretty freaking legit. Um, but, you know, one thing uh, that we've got going on right now is, for anyone who doesn't know, we've got our website up and running. Uh, with our hat sales so the our online store is up and running where you can actually pick up that southern outdoorsman turkey foot hat which is a really sweet um bottomlands hat uh, that we've got designed out as a uh, yep and it's unstructured so you can do a fantastic fly down with it as andrew has demoed before and kill turkeys with um (laughs) it's a turkey kill in a stat you ever gonna buy (laughs) <laughs> for sure but anyways we got the website and andrew what's the website again so people can go and check that out and the southern outdoorsman.com the southern outdoorsman.com or you can just google the southern outdoorsman and it'll probably pop up yep awesome so All right, perfect. yeah man slick yeah that, that about covers it everybody uh everyone pray for jacob and his work schedule make sure he gets out turkey hunting uh but yeah that, that's that's about it Everybody out there, stay safe during this pandemic. I hope you get to get outside, enjoy nature, enjoy the turkey woods. Uh, Let us know when you kill one. We'd love to share your success stories. But uh, we'll see you guys back again this Friday for the next Strut Report. And then back, as always, next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Thanks, everybody. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool, I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right, giving you a heads up here, so go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the... The, like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, 
all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com. 